0: John Corrales is a Celtics reporter for the Boston Sports Journal, host of Locked on Celtics as well. And let's, let's just start with last night. What what happened?
1: Uh, I'd prefer to start with the idea <laughs> of Greg Popovich drawing up a play of throwing <laughs> it off somebody's face and all that. Uh, what, what happened last night? Uh, the Celtics, uh, I think, took the... Uh, Thunder lately they had no Shea Gilgis Alexander so they were starting a team that probably should have lost by 40 instead of one by 40 and the Celtics kind of approached it that way the first quarter started with them missing shots and they probably thought to themselves "Eh, we're fine you know we we, we suck right now we're only down one but the Thunder play hard they attack the rim and and once that that spigot opened. They couldn't shut the water off. Uh, I, I don't know what the record is for dunks in a game, but the the Thunder challenged it. Uh, Celtics looked horrible. It's their worst loss of the season. It's their worst effort of the season. The second quarter on was the worst I've seen them play, and they deserve every bit of scoring that they get.
2: Yeah, I, I guess how do you break down, I guess, some of these last six, seven games outside of just lack of effort because they started out really well. Joe Missoula leading in the clubhouse in terms of coach of the year. Uh, defensively, they were really awesome. Offensively, even better with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. And then all of a sudden, it just like deflated.
1: Yeah, I think deflated is kind of a good word for it because the Eme Udoka situation happened right before the season where I think a lot of people said, oh, that's terrible timing. It was actually good timing because that forced everybody to kind of come together and they, they circled the wagons, they focused on just basketball and they stormed out of the gates and they were trying to prove something. And I think over the first 20 some odd games or so, they probably felt like, okay, we've, we've proven that. And now they've kind of gotten back into, they almost backed their way into the contender that is playing on a short off season and is starting to kind of coast a little bit. It's almost like they, they feel like we've done what we're supposed to do now we can kind of relax we can kind of pick our spots but the problem with the celtics is they can't pick their spots they're not that kind of team they're not that good um, when they play the way they're supposed to play which is that 0.5 basketball ironically after the spurs it was greg popovich who was taught who who really pioneered that 0.5 basketball approach or or at least brought it to the forefront that type of play just catch the ball make a quick decision shoot it, pass it, drive it, when they play like that, that Celtics team is actually, I think, unstoppable. That type of Celtics team playing the way they played earlier in the season, moving the ball, making quick decisions, and defending, that team is a championship team. If they play anything besides that, they're not. They're very beatable. And if they relax on top of it, then you get games like the OKC game.
0: John, right now, Jason Tatum has the fourth best odds to win the MVP. A couple weeks ago, I thought he was the clear-cut favorite. Now you have guys like Luka, obviously Giannis and Jokic uh, every single year. Do you think the number one seed in the East is good enough for Tatum if he continues at this pace to win an MVP? Or do you think because, I think the Celtics are going to be fine. Do you think because they're so deep and they're so talented, maybe it's going to go to a guy like Luka or somebody
1: who's not on a more talented team? So... It's a great question. This MVP race is so fascinating right now. Best player on the best team could very easily be Jason Tatum and he'll get his fair share of votes there. The thing about Tatum though is he's not the type of player that Luca or Nikola Jokic or even Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, are because they are forces of nature. Tatum has built his game up to an MVP level he didn't come into the league as this special player. Luca walked into the league, and you said, "Whoa!" Uh, Jokic walked into this league, and you said, "How is he passing like this?" Giannis is kind of in between, where he had to grow into his body, and then he became a force of nature. So Tatum is closer to that mold. This is his first real, true year of being an MVP candidate. So he definitely, I think, needs to perform at a level that that's, that's higher than what he's been over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I I think what makes Tatum a true MVP is actually taking a step back and not forcing it. I feel like he's forcing it just the tiny bit there. You can see him, especially in that OKC game early on. He's looking too much for his offense and what he needs to understand is, and one, one thing I say all the time, when you make the right plays, the right players get the right stats rebounders will rebound, shooters will get their shots, passers will get their assists. So don't worry about not getting your shots in the first five minutes a game. If they're playing, if they're overplaying you, pass it, get off the ball. Then later on, when your passing forces teams to kind of play off you a little bit, that's when you get your offense. You can still be a three-point-a-game guy. So Tatum, I think, has taken a little step behind and probably why he's dropped to fourth in the odds. But he has it within him if he just relaxes a little bit The Celtics record will be there at the end. He just needs to kind of relax and get back to playing free, and and he'll get back up to the top of that list.
0: Talking to John Corrales, BetMGM Tonight. You know, speaking of odds, I'm looking at the Celtics were like heavy, heavy favorites, obviously, to win the Atlantic. They're now to minus 225, but the Nets, they're creeping up there. The Nets are plus 200 to win the Atlantic. The Nets are closing in on the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Granted, there's a lot of season left, but... With what we've seen from the Nets, who right now actually trail the Bulls in the fourth quarter, 104-95, about seven minutes to go in that game. What we've seen from the Nets, coupled with the recent struggles from the Celtics... Is that maybe even adding to the narrative of... Because uh, there are people that I... I, we, I mean, we see it on Twitter. I know Twitter's a dangerous place. Fire Joe Mazula, find somebody <laughs> else as the interim coach. Like This is this is what... Their team is still the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and this is the narrative. But like, do other factors like that at all, do you think that factors into uh, some of the... Uh, I don't want to use the word desperation for the team at all, but maybe some pressure and then
1: pressure in return from the fan base? For the Celtics? I mean, yeah. any time... Yeah, I think, I think there's there's just pressure in general because if it's not the Nets, it's the Bucs, and if it's not the Bucs, it's the Cavs. All of those teams are, are up there, and hey, Philly's making a move too. So I think the top of the East is starting to finally kind of catch up to our preseason expectations. I don't trust Brooklyn. Uh, they, they've made some great strides. They've gotten fat on some weak competition, but KD is playing at, at a, an MVP level. Kyrie is on his best behavior. Jacques Vaughn has, has really kind of I think, grabbed the attention of his team. But I I still don't trust Brooklyn, but that doesn't even matter because if they fall off, then the Bucs will be there, even though they've struggled recently. The Cavs are dangerous. We just saw what Donovan Mitchell did, so they're a dangerous team. The Celtics, and, and I think the most disappointing thing about that loss to OKC was the way they came out in the third quarter with no kind of mental toughness there, that was a win, that they'll need against the, you know, to, to to pile up wins against the the Eastern Conference uh to, to build up a one, two, three game lead. The Celtics' priority should be number one seed, uh, get all play at home as much as possible. If you win a series in six, make that six game a home game so you don't have to travel. Uh save your bodies a little bit. That, that's something I think the Celtics should really be focused on and prioritize uh, because, yes, there is pressure from three, four different teams in the East. And, and on every, any given week, it could be one of three or four different teams.
2: John, one of the things that you're seeing right now coming from the Celtics organization is that, listen, we're not going to take the interim tag off of Joe Mazzula's name. That's mm-hmm. not what we're going to do. And we'll decide what we do at the end of the year. Uh, why do you think that is? And uh, two, is there really any chance that we would see Ime Yudoka come back after this suspension? And if not, what would happen, do you think?
1: Yeah, so I, I think working backwards, he's not coming back from that suspension. He's done. He's done in Boston. And and the fact that he's done in Boston is actually weirdly the reason why the interim stat, interim tag is still on Joe Missoula. I think that's part of a legal issue. Mm. Uh, The Celtics could let Ime Udoka go. They would have to fire him and pay him out. Uh, They were very welcome uh, of uh, of the Brooklyn Overtures uh, a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, because that would have taken a problem off of their hands, and and that would have been just, hey, if somebody else wants to pay him, that's fine. We're not going to do it. But for now, I think their approach is punishment for Ime Udoka is not paying him. If they just fire him, they're going to have to give him a ton of money. And what punishment is that? He'll go out and get another job. While that's going on, you can't take the interim tag off of Joe Missoula because you have to fire the guy that you have on suspension to give this guy the head coaching job. And I think it's as simple as that. As the legal issues work themselves out, then Joe Missoula can kind of uh, later on get that head coaching job but I will say there is a level of unfairness for that because if something goes wrong, hey, a, a month ago, everybody was saying, yeah, sign this guy long-term. Why aren't you giving him the, the the head coaching job right now? Now, like you were joking before, people are saying, oh, fire yeah. Joe after one huge loss. It's It's a little unfair because if something goes wrong, they can just remove and just say, hey, we're, we're not even going to give you the head coaching job and, and they can fire him too, without having to pay him out either. But I, I still anticipate that the Celtics will not want to have to go through what would be their fourth head coach in five years. They want to do everything they can to have Joe Missoula succeed. Uh, John, we got about two
0: minutes. So I think the Celtics will be fine, but they do play 15 games over the first 28 days or something like that in January. So if they do have mm-hmm. a little slump, I know you said you don't fully trust the Nets and I'm there with you. What about the 76ers cuz I'm looking, you know, at the betting board obviously and in the Atlantic, they're 10 to 1 to win the division. If it isn't Boston, mm-hmm. who do you think it could be?
1: I I think Milwaukee is just the safe bet. That, that's that's where I, it's it's Boston and Milwaukee and and Philly I I also don't entirely trust Philly because I don't think when it comes down to it that Joel Embiid and James Harden are going to do what they need to do to get the other guys going, and we saw that earlier in the season. I think when push comes to shove, they're going to go for theirs, and they're going to try to win their way, and that's going to negate their, their, their role players, their bench, and all of those guys. I think uh, one of the beauties of the Celtics when the Celtics are playing their best is they do move the ball, and they do – uh, get everybody involved. Very, very high assist team. And and the Sixers can obviously be that way because Harden is a great passer. Uh, but I think they're just too heliocentric around Joel Embiid. And when when it comes down to it, he's going to demand taking the last shot. And that's going to make Harden say, well, if you're going to be that, for lack of a better term, selfish, then I got to get my shots when I meet, when I when I get the ball and that's going to leave the other role players, your Tyrese Maxis, your, uh, everybody else, uh, all, you know, kind of, kind of waiting and that's not going to be great basketball. So, uh, I, I think Milwaukee with your championship DNA with Giannis and the gra- his gravity and eventually for them, hopefully Chris Middleton coming back and being fully healthy, that that's the team that's going to challenge Boston the most. He's John Corrales, Celtics reporter,
0: Boston Sports Journal. Make sure you check out the Locked on Celtics podcast. Good talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks, Sean.
1: Thanks, everybody.